Well, hey, uh, this morning, wow, it's uh, it's Easter. It's kind of kind of this uh, big deal, right? In the in the church or for Christianity, Easter, it's a really big deal. That's probably the understatement of everything you're going to hear this morning. Um, now, if you have an idea of how the whole week went down, the week that Jesus was crucified. Uh, we call that Good Friday. And then the Easter story, uh, after Jesus is crucified on what we call Good Friday now, the Romans take his body down from the cross. And in the book of Matthew, it tells us that a man named Joseph of Arimathea asks the ruler, Pontius Pilate, if he can have the body of Jesus to bury him in this freshly dug ornate tomb that was you know, carved out of a cave wall. And by the way, that part did happen. But then there's this old story that goes along with that where somebody imagines Pilate saying to Joseph of Arimathea, Hey, Joe, listen, you're a member of the high council and you're a wealthy man. You just spent a small fortune for this tomb to be carved from solid rock to be your eventual eternal resting place. Uh, this is a beautiful tomb. It's, it's amazing. Why on earth would you give it to this this traveling rabbi, this troublemaker, this, this Jesus guy. And they imagine Joseph replying to him with a shrug and say, well, hey, it was only for the weekend. <laughs> Should have had Jacob here for the rim shot on that. Yeah, because, because Jesus is risen. Let's try it again. He is risen. See, Easter is this reminder that we as Christians uh, believe this really crazy, almost irrational sounding thing that Jesus didn't just die, but that he rose from the dead. And it's such a powerful, powerful thing. Now, my buddy, uh, Kyle Thompson, he's a great preacher out in uh, Roseville, California. And he was telling me this story about he and his elementary age son, uh, maybe even like first grade son. And he's laying there at night talking with his son about uh, very spiritual things like uh, Pokemon. Right? Is anybody guess familiar with Pokemon, right? There's these characters that do battle between yours against your friends. Like when my son was little a long time ago, they had decks of cards that they would battle with. I think now it's probably electronic, right? Anyway, so his son is, is saying, hey, uh, Dad, if there was a Pokemon battle between Jesus and Pokemon, like who, who do you think would win? And, you know, Kyle's a pastor, so of course he says, well, well, son, Jesus would win that battle for sure. And his little guy says back to him, well, well, dad, how can Jesus win if Jesus died? And Kyle sits up a little bit like these are the pastor moments, dreams of, with your kid. Right. He says, well, well, son, yeah, yeah, Jesus died. But then he rose from the dead. Jesus beat death. So. Jesus is stronger than death. That's why Jesus wins over Pokemon. And his little guy gets real excited. He sits up in the bed. And he starts yelling, wait, wait, seriously? Dad, Dad, you need to tell people. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and that's one of the best parts of getting to be a pastor um, and doing what I get to do is to tell people, right? We get to tell people. I get to tell people that Jesus is real, that he came to, to earth, that he was born as a baby, that he, he showed us how to live, and then he ransomed us from the power of evil 
by giving his life and dying on a cross so that our sins could be forgiven, which is really good news. I mean, if the story stopped right there, it'd be really good news already, right? But then this is where it gets tricky for people because, um, because if you believe in Jesus, aren't you glad that, that the story didn't stop just right there with Jesus dying on the cross? So, see, because even though back then when that actually happened, those days of Good Friday and then the second day would have been Saturday until the third day, that little gap of time right there Everybody thought the story of Jesus was over. They thought it was over. But it wasn't. Because on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. And they laid him in a borrowed tomb because it was just for the weekend. And you and I, we get to tell people. Now, I know, I know that, that, that this belief that we Christians and those of us that would call ourselves Christians, that, that we cling to about the resurrection, it seems really far-fetched to some people. I, I totally get it. It seems even downright foolish. And, and maybe you're here this morning and you're kind of, you know, maybe rolling your eyes at least on the inside and, and you're just here because somebody promised you lunch. Um, or maybe you knew that afterwards there's going to be pastries and food and water and coffee available over there. Or maybe you want to take advantage of the photo booth or, or any of the Easter egg. Maybe, maybe you're just here because of that. Um, or maybe you're here because, you know, your mom made you come, right? Or some cute girl asked you to be here, and you're like, heck yes, babe, I'll go anywhere with you. Church, right ever, I'm in, right? Depends on how cute she is, right? That should, you'll be there. So maybe that's why you're here today. And for some of you, I'm, I'm totally aware, like, people show up on Easter, and this isn't really your thing, but you're here because somebody dragged you along, and, and you're like, I am not about to become a Christian today. I mean, maybe your arms aren't crossed on the outside, but inside, right? Your arms are crossed on the inside. And, and if church isn't your thing, I just want to challenge you and invite you this morning to just open your heart a little and wonder or consider about becoming a Christian. And, and I'm going to ask you to wonder about that in spite of some things, right? In spite of the fact, like maybe you would consider becoming a Christian in spite of the fact that you know some Christians, right? Um, or maybe in spite of the fact that you used to work for a so-called Christian, or maybe in spite of the fact that, that, that you see how we can be, we who call ourselves Christians can be hypocrites and pretend we're perfect, but we're not. Um, or maybe in spite of the fact that you grew up around a bunch of Christians you want nothing to do with it, um, I'm going to ask you to just open your heart a little and just wonder that even though maybe you've had pain in your life, maybe you lost somebody close to you, Maybe you can't understand where God is in all the pain in our world. And even with the questions you have that I can't answer, you're just wondering. And, but, and I can't answer all those questions for you at all. But, but I'm just going to ask you to open your heart a little bit today and consider it. Because here at Easter, this is the time, this is the day where we come face to face with, with something that is really staring us in the face that sort of makes an end around all the arguments and the what-ifs and the inconsistencies that we see in this thing that we call Christianity. And the thing that we have to come face-to-face -face with on what we call Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, is this question. Did Jesus Christ rise from the dead? And this morning, I'm just going to talk through a few, like I had 18, 19 kind of reasons why... 
And I narrowed it down to just a few of the reasons why I'm convinced that this resurrection story um, is real. And I'm going to offer you at the end an opportunity to make a decision to become a follower of Jesus. Now, I, I, I totally admit that when, when people hear pastor people, guys like me or gals like me, say stuff like this, that we're going to look at reasons why to believe the resurrection actually happened, like you know that a lot of times Christians, we, we use the proof um, that, well, because the Bible says so, right? The Bible says so, that's why we say we believe it. And listen, here's the deal, I do, uh, full disclosure, I do believe what the Bible says. I spend my life studying and looking at and teaching the scriptures. But I totally get that people who are not bought into Christianity don't necessarily believe everything that the Bible says. And so it wouldn't make sense for us or a Christian to say to somebody who doesn't believe that way, well, you need to believe that Jesus rose from the dead because, well, because the Bible said so, right? Because there's a lot of questions people have about the Bible, like why was it written? Um, is it reliable? Um, who wrote this? Didn't they just write this stuff later in order to kind of reinforce the belief that there was some religion that they were trying to make up and, and get to move forward? And, and I just want to look at a couple things around even that idea. Um, um, because some folks do figure, like, okay, well, that there was a man named Jesus who did exist. He was this amazing teacher. Um, we know that he got killed on a cross. Um, and then after, this is where it gets sketchy, after Jesus died on the cross, they figure people, you know, wanted his followers, wanted to keep this teaching going. So they wrote down the teachings from his life so that that would continue after he was dead. And some of them figure that in order for those teachings to get some traction and keep going forward instead of dying when Jesus died, in order to make it seem more powerful or more impressive, that that maybe other stuff got added in after the fact. Like, you know, after the fact, people think that Jesus was born of a virgin. That was added later, because uh, that sounds pretty fancy. After the fact, maybe miracles were added, because, you know, that seems pretty amazing. But the biggest whopper of them all that some people believe got added after the fact that discredits the whole thing in their eyes is that after Jesus died by crucifixion, he rose from the dead. And that claim really hangs people up, and many times those folks will explain essentially by saying, okay, so all the stuff that got thrown in together with Jesus' teachings and the miracles, all that stuff got cooked up just to create a new religion, which was based on fooling people into thinking that Jesus was alive even though he wasn't. And again, by the way, there are some folks, not just not believers, but there are some Christians that kind of think that way too, that if you push them a little bit, they'll say, well, yeah, Jesus was a great teacher, and he gave his life, and he died on a cross, but did he really rise from the dead? Like, maybe those miracles and resurrection stories just got thrown in there to spice things up a little bit, maybe to impress people who lived before our, you know, now modern, recent, scientific, rational, enlightened era. So yeah, yeah, I get it that they would believe that back then, but do we really need to believe that stuff today? So I just want to look at a few things, and this is in your notes, um, that, that, that are actually written by the folks that say they were telling us what happened with the resurrection of Jesus. And, and these are some of the reasons that, that I look at, and I don't think that these stories in what we call the Gospels 
These stories weren't just cooked up to create a new religion based on fooling gullible people into thinking that Jesus was really alive when he actually wasn't. And I want to start by looking at how this Easter story went down according to the people who wrote about it from their own records. In fact, the one that really hit me, and this is what all three of these come from this, this morning um, that I'm going to mention here. Um, one thing that hit me these past couple weeks as I've been studying and kind of looking through this was this. If the people that wrote down these stories that became later, you know, 300, 400 years later, by the way, not in the moment, they weren't scripture then, but much later, um, if these people that wrote down these stories that now became what we have as the Bible, if they were in fact trying to fabricate or exaggerate stuff about Jesus just to cook up a new religion, they would have done things very differently than they did. They would have written it way differently than they did. Um, and I'll say it this way, and this is in your notes, if the New Testament writers of what we call the Gospels were trying to cook up a new world religion based on fooling people into thinking Jesus was alive when he actually wasn't, they would have told the story far differently. And so the first of the three examples has to do with how these writers and these disciples portray themselves in the story. Now, if they were making this up, they would have painted themselves as heroes in the story, not cowards. Like, like if Jesus had actually died and stayed dead, and the whole thing was just a scam that they were trying to pull off, what they would want everybody to think in order to jump in on this deal was that they, the leaders of this new religion, that they were these amazing, courageous heroes in, in the story of Jesus. But instead, you just read through the stories, and these disciples are very honest that they were cowards in the story. They were total cowards. Um, look at the disciple Peter, for example. The night that Jesus is going to be betrayed, the disciples have no idea that this is what's going down, right? And, and Jesus says, hey, you're all going to betray me. And Peter, if you know the story, Peter gets really, you know, it's, this is how he kind of is, right? He's, he just gets really brash and says, hey, Jesus, even if all these other clowns deny you, I never will. I am the sold-out disciple. I am way stronger and braver than all of them combined. Jesus, it's, it's ride or die, you and me. And Jesus tells him, no, you're actually going to deny me, not later, but like this very night. And Peter just can't even believe it, right? So he's all brash. He's all, he's total poser. And what happens, if you know the story again, Jesus gets arrested. All the disciples do exactly what Jesus says. They abandon, they run away, they are scared to death. Um, and they all abandon him, including Peter. But with Peter, it actually kind of gets worse. Peter is kind of sneaking around at night trying to check out and see what's going on. And at one point, a teenage servant girl spots him and says, Hey, hey, you, you, you're one of Jesus' disciples. And Peter doesn't respond by saying, No, I will never deny Jesus. Never, ever. No, Peter actually responds by saying, No, no, I'm not. I don't even know this Jesus guy. He does that not once. Not twice. He does it three times. Three times he denies and he cowers in fear. And again, not just Peter, 
But all the disciples, right, all these people who could have painted themselves as heroes in the story, they just admit they were scared to death. They went and hid out. They knew that they too could get killed if they get discovered, so they are scared and hiding. So listen, I mean, think about this. Think about favorite movies that you love. Favorite movie that you love. When you see the coward in the, bat, in the movie, right? You see the coward in the movie. Do you, are you drawn to that character and you go, that's who I want to be like, right? That's the guy. I want to be the coward, the fear-filled, that guy, right? That's totally me. That's who I aspire to be. Right? None of us would do that, right? We all want to be like the hero in the story. That's why we're drawn to the heroes in the story. It's instinctive. And so if you were somebody writing the story and you're in the story and you wanted to make it up, you, you would totally admit that you would not admit you were a coward at all, right? You'd paint yourself in as the hero of this story. Or, or at very least, you would skip the parts that totally make you look like an idiot or look stupid, right? Husbands, you would totally skip the part of the story that makes you look like an idiot, right? Yeah, your wife might be amening from next to you, yeah, but we, we, won't, we won't get anybody in too much trouble here. Listen, if these disciples were trying to cook up a world religion based into fooling people that Jesus wasn't alive when he actually, or wasn't dead, when he actually was dead, they wouldn't have been so honest about their cowardice. But instead, if you just read the accounts of the stories, they totally freely admit that they didn't get it at first. They had no idea at first. They thought Jesus really was dead. They thought he's dead, he's gone. We thought he was the Messiah, but obviously the Messiah can't get killed. God wouldn't allow that, so we were wrong. He's dead, this thing is over. And if we try to stick to it, we're the next ones who are gonna be hanging on crosses. And so I really appreciate their honesty about their failings here. They're really honest, and it helps me to trust that they didn't try to cook up some fantastic, unbelievable, epic story. And where did they go from fearful to courageous? How did it move from they were fearful to later they are courageous? Well, that's the Easter story. That's where the resurrection story comes in. And here's how it unfolded. Here's how it unfolded. John chapter 19, we read that after Jesus died on Friday, their Sabbath in the Jewish culture began. It begins at sundown Friday. It lasts through Saturday. And so you can't do any work on the Sabbath. And they knew they had to take Jesus' body down from the cross and get it into a tomb before sundown. So we read that, that two men, um, Nicodemus, who was a well-known religious leader, everybody knew who Nicodemus was. So he and another well-known leader... Joseph of Arimathea, very specific names, by the way, they took Jesus' body down with permission from Pilate, and they laid it in a tomb. Now, these two mentions of names are really important, because when these accounts were first written, those guys were still around, or their relatives were still around. Anybody could go to, hey, Joseph of Arimathea, yeah, let's go ask him, or, oh, hey, Nicodemus, let's go ask him, hey, did this happen? Did this really happen? Like, these are reputable people that if this was all made up way back then, it would have just died and been done with. But these were eyewitnesses, and these two guys, because of Passover, they know they're going to have to get the body down, get it in the tomb real quick, 
So they wrap it up, they put it in the tomb, Romans guards are posted, and that was a big stone was put over the opening, and that was Friday, the first day. Then the next day was Sabbath, um, what we would call Saturday was Shabbat, and then we come to the third day. And on the third day, we're about to read here, and this is John 20, um, in your notes there, verse 1. Very early, while it was still dark, and here's my assumption here, um, since it was two men who had wrapped up the body and put the body in the tomb, the women knew that if the men did it, it probably needed to be redone, right? <laughs> so these two women who had been followers, they also had been disciples of Jesus, they show up at the tomb very early, and they're like, hey, I don't know how we're going to roll this stone away, but we got to properly prepare and honor Jesus' body. So here we are. Let's figure it out. So here we go. John 20, starting in verse 1 on your handout. Uh, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, and this part, and we're going to pause after the name, is so important. Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. So we'll just pause there for a moment. And I just want to say that this is so fascinating because the first person mentioned in each of the Gospels were women. The first people that discovered that Jesus had risen were women. And this is really important because, sadly, in the first century, women had no credibility. It was a very chauvinistic world. Back in the first century, for example, a woman couldn't testify in court. A woman's testimony was deemed unreliable. And by the way, any guesses on who wrote those laws? Yes, men wrote those laws. Go figure, right? Uh, it's wrong. It's ridiculous. Uh, that's the way it was. So now hear me on this. If there was any way possible for Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John to kind of skip that part of the story and take the women out of the story because they knew people are going to read this and be like, well, obviously this isn't true. If they could have done it, they would have done it because, again, back then, women were considered unreliable witnesses. And if you're trying to cook something up to convince people that Jesus had rose from the dead, but he actually hadn't rose from the dead, you wouldn't claim that women were the first witnesses. Now, here's a question. Do you know why all four of the gospel writers tell us that women were the first people to discover an empty tomb? Yeah, because, because women were the first people to discover an empty tomb. <laughs> it was true. It was true. That's the only reason that they would have written women into this story, because it actually happened that way. By the way, I think this was just another kind of way that Jesus was saying this culture stuff is messed up, because he advocated for women all the time in ways that really upset the unfair way that their culture worked back then. So that second reason is... Um, if you were trying to cook up a story, you wouldn't say that women were the first witnesses. You just wouldn't. But they were. To me, that makes it way more reliable. And then the third reason that I just want to look at here, um, we'll go back here to John 20, verse 1 in your handout. This time we'll keep reading. Verse 1, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance, so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. And by the way, that's John who's speaking in the third person as an eyewitness here. 
She said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. You catch that last phrase? See, this is why that is so important, you guys. See, Mary Magdalene didn't go running to the disciples and say, guys, Jesus rose from the dead. She didn't, right? And this is really important because remember, when Jesus died, they believed this whole thing is over. Like he's dead. Like nobody was standing, you know, in front of the tomb on Easter morning going, five, four, three, two, one, ta-da, right? Nobody, right? There was no rock band. There was no celebration. They all knew at first, that's all they knew was that there's no body. That's all they knew. And they didn't even think that Jesus had risen from the dead. His body was gone, and that's what she says. And I love it that these writers of the Gospels, they sheepishly admit, like, uh, yeah, we were the disciples that lived with Jesus for three years, and so we were shocked. And But honestly, when Jesus died, we thought he was dead and he would stay dead. So when his body was gone, the first thing we thought was, huh, it's missing. It's missing. Right, Mary finds the empty tomb and other uh, versions it talks about other women that were with her they did not assume that there was a, resur a resurrection that happened they did not assume that Jesus had been resurrected none of them said he is risen right none of them said he is risen he's risen indeed their assumption was somebody stole his body <laughs> somebody stole his body in fact in the book of Luke, when they say this to the disciples, Dr. Luke tells us, here's how the men responded to the women. It says this in Luke 24, verse 11, but they, the men, did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Right? So right, they come running to the men to say the body's missing. The men didn't get it either. They didn't say, praise God, it's a resurrection, right? They hear the women, they say, hey, you're irrational. You went to the wrong tomb. Like, this is, this is nonsense. No wonder we don't allow women in court. <laughs> kidding, kidding, kidding. And if they would have said something like that, the, the, they were about to eat their words, right? Now, again, if they were trying to cook up a world religion based on fooling people that Jesus was alive when he wasn't, then when his body was missing, right away they would have proclaimed especially if they had been a part of stealing it, they would have proclaimed, no, Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. But again, right away, they didn't know it because they saw Jesus die. They thought this is over. We were wrong. He's dead. And that's what they believed until, until they saw Jesus when they saw Jesus, when he appeared to them, they knew it was not an impossible dream. It wasn't wishful thinking. Jesus was actually alive. He had risen from the dead. And again, the gospel writers are almost sheepishly embarrassed about this, that they didn't get it, even though Jesus had told them way back that he was going to die and be raised up again. They didn't get it until they saw Jesus in person. And each of the gospels tells a little bit about when they finally did see Jesus had risen so they could believe. And I love it that they didn't pretend, oh yeah, yeah, we knew he was resurrected all along. We never doubted. No, it took some convincing. They had to be convinced. They had to see it to believe it. And I love 
what Dr. Luke clarifies in his book of the Acts, chapter 1, verse 3. He says this, after Jesus' suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive over a period of 40 days. The Apostle Paul later tells us that Jesus appeared to more than 500 eyewitnesses. 500 eyewitnesses. And let me tell you the biggest reason that I believe that the resurrection happened in all of these was the change that we saw that happened to these disciples once they did see Jesus was alive. They were so convinced that he was alive and had risen from the dead that they went from being these cowards who were hiding in fear to people who were full of profound courage. I mean, you just think about the radical change. On Friday, right, and Saturday, the followers of Jesus were afraid. They were petrified. And then suddenly, they weren't. And we have to ask, well, what happened? What was the big swap? What was the big change? The big change is, is that they actually saw an empty tomb at first, which convinced them that their sightings of Jesus were not hallucinations. And then they saw Jesus appear as a live person, which told them that the empty tomb was not a result of body snatching. And so what changed in them is they became fearless because they knew that Jesus actually had risen from the dead, that he was the Messiah they were looking for, and that he is God in the flesh. The reason that they believed and became courageous was because the resurrection was real. And they believed it so firmly, you guys, that they were willing to give their lives to proclaim the truth that Jesus is alive. That Jesus is who he says he was. That he is the way, the truth, the life. And that the only way someone can come to God the Father is through Jesus. See, they became so courageous that history records many Christians facing torture, imprisonment, suffering, and death because they refuse to recant their testimony that Jesus was alive. And because it's warm and we're going to wrap up quicker, I'm going to skip some of those stories. But all you have to do is look up some of those stories. It hey friends, it was right here in the service that our Facebook feed crashed. And so I'm going to do the audio for you here in case you're listening later on. Uh, what I was saying is that... that that Christians refused to recant their testimony on pain of death because they actually believed that Jesus was alive. So they faced torture, and all they had to do was say, no, okay, it was a, it was a lie, and they would have lived. But they didn't because Jesus really did rise from the dead. So they went from being cowards to people who had great courage and were not even afraid of death. No longer did they hide. But they figured that if Jesus is stronger than death, then they had nothing to fear. And what they did changed our world. What they did means that 2,000 years later, here we are on Easter Sunday, and it went from a handful of people way back at the resurrection to then thousands of people to 2,000 years later, more than 2 billion people on the face of planet Earth that call themselves Christians. And it all happened because of what today is Easter Sunday, which is Resurrection Sunday. Jesus really did rise from the dead, or none of this would have happened. Now, just to wrap up here, I don't know where you're going to come out on this. If you're somebody that's not a believer in Jesus, maybe for you, it's time. 
maybe for you, today's the day that you will decide to believe in Jesus and decide to give your life to him to become a follower of Jesus. Uh, maybe before today, you've just tried to be a good person and do your best and hope that things work out for you. Um, but you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. And so I want to challenge you today to consider following Jesus, to make that decision. Um, see, just knowing information about Jesus, that never saved anybody. Uh, what matters is what you decide and if you decide to become a follower of Jesus or not. And so maybe today's the day where you'll say, you know what? Okay, I'm going to stop trusting in myself and I want to be a follower of of Jesus. I want to confess my sins, ask his forgiveness, and then trust him with my life. I want to become a follower of Jesus. And what a cool thing, um, because when we actually did wrap this service up, there were a number of people that decided to become followers of Jesus on Easter Sunday. And the week of Easter, what a great time. Like we remember that Jesus came back to life on Easter and what if this week was Easter week, the week you came alive to God? And so I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. And I want to pray a prayer that if you're ready to become a follower of Jesus, if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, this prayer, this simple prayer can be a moment that marks your decision. It can be the starting point of your yes to following Jesus. And so if that's what you want to decide, if you want to decide today to become a follower of Jesus, I'm going to pray this simple prayer. There's no formula to it. Um, and I want you to pray it out loud. Uh, if you're able to do that, if there's nobody around or if it's a situation where you can pray it out loud, just pray it out loud. Um, and so here we go. Jesus, I need you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross. I ask you to forgive my sins, and I thank you for forgiving me. Jesus, I ask for you to give me a new heart, to wash me clean. Thank you that you rose from the dead, and I choose now to follow you. Thank you for a new life. Thank you for a new beginning. Amen. Amen. Now, hey, if you did pray that prayer, um, I just want to say it's really important that you tell someone as soon as possible. Like, do it today. Uh, you could reach out to us here at church. You could shoot me an email, doug at hopecov.com. Uh, D-O-U-G at H-O-P-E-C-O-V dot com. Um, or if you know somebody that has a strong faith in God, tell them right away so that they can help you in your next steps. And that's what we want to do here at Hope is help you in your next steps. So just reach out. And, and again, if you prayed that prayer, I want to congratulate you because that decision that you made to follow Jesus, you'll never make a decision that important again. Um, so God bless you if you prayed that. It's a new beginning. And again, we'd love to give you a Bible and chat with you. So please shoot us an email and uh, we'd love to, love to talk to you, love to meet you and walk with you and help you get started in following Jesus. Well, at this point in the service, we had the band come up and we sang a song about um, the name of Jesus being stronger than sin and uh, him rising from the dead. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't get that recorded because our, our camera crashed. 
Um, so I just want to pray over you as, as uh, we wrap up this time. Jesus, I thank you that you are alive, that you rose from the dead. Thank you, Jesus, that you broke the power of sin, that you set us free, and you did it all for love. I pray for my brothers and sisters now, especially those that are on this journey of following you um, and we're figuring out what that means, and I pray you'd bless them and be with them. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, friends, we hope to see you in person here at Hope on Sunday mornings. We'd love to have you with us, or you can tune into the stream as well. God bless you. Have a great week.